Hello and welcome to Ion Princeton. This podcast is dedicated to informing city residents like you about the happenings here in Princeton, Texas. Each episode will help you find the things you need to know to navigate in and around the city. We keep our eye out for businesses that are coming to town, road construction updates, city ordinances, and public safety. We also like to highlight local residents that live in the city. Right now, we'll hand things off to your host and Princeton resident, Mitchell Chase. GP Greg Price, thank you so much for those kind words. And today, we are at the City of Princeton Police Department. We do have the Chief of Police, Mark Moyle, with us. Hello, Chief. We're here at HQ. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. And I'll tell you what, it looks uh, like things are squared away here. Yes, sir. (laughs) You know, there's something I'd like to ask you. It's kind of on a personal level. I know we're just starting the interview, but when you all get together and you have an all staff or you're at your desk and you think about the entire team that served with you, what inspires you or what thoughts do you have about that team? So that's a great question and one that you did not share with me ahead of time. When I think of the team, not just the administrative staff, but the police department overall and and, uh, from the police officer all the way to the chief of police, one of the things that was... uh, most encouraging to me when I took over as chief of police in February of 2019 was I learned immediately that the hearts and the minds of the employees that work here at the city of Princeton, the city overall, but for me, especially the police department had their hearts and minds in the right place. Uh, It's a tremendous group of people who are wanting to serve their community. And uh, I'm very proud to be a part of that. Very nice. I want to ask you as far as police officers go on the experience level the most experienced officer that you have, how many years have they been, not necessarily on this department, but how many years policing? Probably 18. And then the most recent addition to the police department, how much time have they had? Uh, I'm thinking right at about two years. And so when a police officer ends up here, if someone doesn't have any policing experience, they haven't been to an academy, how does that work? We do not currently hire people who are not certified or someone who has not been through the police academy. Moving forward, I do believe we'll head that direction because it opens and broadens our applicant pool. But what we do at the city of Princeton is we only hire certified personnel, and that benefits us in terms of time. Because if somebody has already gone through the police academy and already received the training, then we can hire them and put them in the front seat of a police car with a field training officer and begin their four-month training program, which we call field training. And we don't have to wait for them to graduate from the academy, if that makes sense. So yes. rather than the training taking a year, it's four months from the date of hire. Typically, are officers alone in their vehicles? So we are one-man units here in the city of Princeton, with the exception of training, mm-hmm. if somebody's in training. All right. Because what I've seen, though, is uh, a stop or something going on. And the next thing I know, like backup is right there. Yes, sir. Especially in terms of today's society and all that's going on across our country, we are ensured to protect ourselves and our community. What is something that we can do as residents here in Princeton to help the police department and especially help the officers that are out in the field? Another great question. So we recognize as a law enforcement agency that we cannot alone solve all the systemic issues we face within our communities. We have got to depend on the partnership between the police department and our community. Uh, there's a number of community policing initiatives, for instance, the Coffee with Cops that I know you and I will be discussing in the future. We work to build those relationships with our community to build the trust and camaraderie because we need them. We need the community. We need their eyes and ears. We need their help whenever they can assist in that regard. I'm going to talk about road rage with you, and let's start with, let's say I'm the one that's driving. Someone gets angry at me. 
the next thing you know, oh my gosh, they're going on and on and on like they want to kill me. What do we do? That is really another great question, especially in terms of when people are are often in a hurry, uh, traffic delays, running late, or just simple uh, disregard for traffic loss. What we found is the most common forms of road rage are tailgating, yelling, being mad and honking the horn, of course, obscene gestures, trying to block vehicles and things of that nature. What we try to tell our community and our motorists are, before you even get behind the wheel, Make sure that you're giving yourself enough time to prepare for where it is that you need to go. That way you won't be emotional, you won't be upset trying to race around or cause a road rage incident. Mitchell, I thought this was a a really good point to make in regards to not just road rage, but how we treat people in general. At the end of the day, we should recognize that we need to be giving people a break. If somebody's blowing their horn at you and they're upset, we have no idea what they've experienced that day. We have no idea what they're upset with. So as opposed to maybe getting mad and, and throwing obscene gestures or cussing back, whatever the case might be, give them a break and move on. Avoidance is always a great tactic. Well, what I've heard is that referred to like this. Hey, give them some grace. 100%. Give them some grace. We all need it. (laughs) Right? Absolutely. But if somebody, let's say I, I call it a Klingon, they're not letting you go. Like, they're not stopping. Right. What next? So the recommendation is always just to stay away, or you can change lanes, slow down, or even exit the highway or exit the roadway to get away from that person. That's the best best thing to do. Again, don't reciprocate in terms of their conduct. What's really critical and really important that we see happen quite often is that sometimes drivers will stop to confront the other driver. Our recommendation is don't stop at all. If you feel like you're being followed and you feel like this is going to escalate, the recommendation is to drive to the police department drive to the fire department, or drive to a well-lit, populated area so you'll be protected by witnesses or police or fire, whatever the case is. Do not drive to your home and do not agitate the situation. Very good. So just to repeat that, if you do have somebody that's just not letting it go and is still pursuing you, you can drive to the police department, the fire department, or get to a well-lit area where you have a lot of people around and witnesses and so forth, and then be sure you're calling law enforcement saying help. 100%. Calling the police department, keeping your doors locked, staying in your car. And making sure that you can give the location of where you are being, you got to stay aware of, okay, I'm, wait a minute, I don't know where I am. That's not good. Right, right. So we always tell people to uh, keep your head on the swivel, pay attention to where you're at and what's going on. And what's interesting in that regard, Mitchell, is that experts say that 95% of self-defense is situational awareness. So you made a very good point there in terms of being able to give their location. That's critical, especially if we're going to respond. And when you were saying there, sometimes you've, I've been places and you can just sense, you know what, this would probably be a good time to leave. And it really can't pinpoint what it is, but you, there's just a feeling in it. So you, and what I've learned has been times I've stayed and there have been times I've left. That's why I leave now. <laughs> yes, sir. There's a great book out there titled The Gift of Fear. And it speaks to that intuition that you're referring to. And what we found is when we interview victims of crime, they often up front don't believe that, you know, there was any indicators. But as they start to think about it during the interview, then they recognize, you know what, there was something. I did have a weird feeling or he did do something or she did something that I should have probably paid close attention to. So paying attention to that intuition and those actions are are really important. Chief, on that note, I'm going to have you stay with us. We'll do some more segments. I mean, other things that we're going to talk about is what to do when you approach a school bus that has their lights on, uh, school zones. We are with Chief Mark Moyle of the Princeton Police Department. We will be back. Thank you for listening to Eye on Princeton, a podcast focused on the happenings in Princeton, Texas. 
We always welcome your feedback, ideas, suggestions, comments, or questions by email to Mitchell Chase at MitchellMChase.com. Until next time.